Podcast listeners, it's the end of February. I'm making the February episode of the podcast. And that song, When You Wore a Tulip, is a song that I often play with the band Tin Pan. Tin Pan is a band started by my friend Jesse Selengut, who became my friend through my involvement with the band. I first got a call from this guy, Stefan Zanak, who plays saxophone and clarinet. And I had known him in my first year or two in New York and then lost touch with him. And he called me one day, about three years ago probably, and said, uh, Sam, can you come sub for me in um, Central Park on this busking gig tomorrow? And there's a $40 guarantee. And I thought it was an altogether strange request to get because I hadn't seen this guy in a few years. and. What what is the state of the scene now that we're subbing on busking gigs? I really didn't get it, but I was going to be free the next day, so I told him sure, and went down and and when I got there, I saw sort of what the deal is with Tin Pan, and for 
Many years now, Tin Pan has worked in Central Park as much as five days a week in the warm months, and it's a, there's a good business model which involves having a good spot to play and having CDs to sell. So you're not getting $1 tips from all the people who walk by. You're trying to create a little crowd and then get people to spend $20 on a pair of CDs that they will hopefully go home and enjoy. A lot of tourists in Central Park, it's a good business model and it works out in spite of some of the uh, turf wars that have taken place over the years and I've been involved in that a little bit and I'll tell a story about it sometime uh, on the podcast, but not today. That song, When You Wore a Tulip, is one that I found myself playing on February 1st at the Flatiron Room with Jesse playing trumpet and singing, me playing guitar, and Steve Wood, a college friend of mine, playing bass. A little Tin Pan Trio edition. The gig at the Flatiron Room, it's a kind of fancy whiskey bar in the Flatiron District. Um, Nice place nice people nice clientele four sets so it's like a four-hour gig of playing on a little stage with some of the room listening and some of the room not listening um nice night a little bit tiring but certainly the first of many tin pan gigs to come for the year so there's a little introduction to the group for you like i said four sets but not set lists uh, songs that we have come to know together occasionally with a few snuck in that we're in the process of learning. It's a loose kind of uh, structure to playing music in Tin Pan, and songs can be expanded or contracted as needed. So a 45-minute set might have nine songs in it. It might have 12 songs in it. It might have six songs in it, although we probably don't stretch that much, especially when we're a trio. Anyways, I went from playing there to playing in a completely open situation, more or less. Uh, My friend John has started putting together little salon concerts that he hosts along with his girlfriend and a friend of theirs. And this was the second one. I would deem it a complete success. There was a crowd of people there just large enough to fill the apartment but not make anyone uncomfortable there were about eight performances some poetry some music some movement uh i really liked a lot of what i saw that night and there were some overlapping circles of friends that it was interesting to see uh interact Anyways, I was asked to come with my trombone and play for 10 minutes. I chose to improvise freely on the spot instead of playing anything prepared, and wound up doing a lot of multiphonics, um, which is it is funny. I've spent most of my improvising days playing the trombone and improvising a single note at a time, and... The horn is capable of more than that. Well, not the horn, but you can sing a note and play a different note at the same time. Uh, And I do that a lot. It's called 
multiphonics, and especially in a solo situation, it can be very effective if you're in a loud situation. It's not, you know, the sound is a little bit delicate. And improvising two notes at a time is so much more of a challenge. You know, you've got more to think about. It's always amazed me what pianists can do, for example. Pianists can play many notes at a time. They can play much faster than trombone players. They can play a wider range. They can play chords. They can play counterpoint fluidly. There's all kinds of repertoire. I mean, there are so many advantages of playing the piano. Pianists also tend to work, I would say, a lot harder. Uh, I don't mean that they work harder necessarily. I mean, they spend a lot more time playing their instruments. Certainly the bar is set a lot higher for a pianist. Why would you play the trombone instead of the piano? If the piano, you can walk up to a piano the very first day and play both the lowest note it has and the highest note it has. You can play a soft volume and a loud volume. You can do everything just because the instrument is there. It's very intuitive. The trombone takes so much work to bring up to a, a level that is nowhere near the piano in terms of what it can do technically. I mean, here I am playing simple two-note, you know, a fifth and then a major sixth and then a perfect fourth. I mean, that would sound absolutely idiotic for a pianist to be doing. You know what I'm saying? And it's like at the vanguard, <laughs> it's like at the vanguard of trombone play. Why play the trombone? You're going for something else. You're going for a completely different sound. You have several options available to you that are not things you can do on the piano or the guitar or the saxophone or any of these instruments that can play chords or play faster or have buttons. I mean, the trombone is limited in some aspects, but also very effective in others. One thing to, to just speak about multiphonics, the multiphonics I play, I often am doing uh, and playing a note and singing a note that is in unison or slightly out of tune or very close. And the fact that I am doing that means that the trombone and my voice fall in the same register. And that's something that's very effective. Just last night, someone was playing me this uh, recording of crickets slowed down to be in the register of the human voice. And crickets are something that are sort of easily ignored in the background, um, pleasant as their sound might be. But when slowed down to the human register, it's impossible to ignore this sound that sounds like people singing. You get something, whether it's song or horn or whatever, you get in the human vocal register and people's ears turn on and uh, that's something to exploit with the trombone. Anyways, this little living room performance I did was really nice. About 30 people sitting on the floor and on couches all around me. I sat in a chair and closed my eyes and played for 10 minutes and 
you could have heard a pin drop in there. It was, uh, I felt a nice connection to the audience and more, more living room, hang out, share your work gigs, as far as I'm concerned, would be a good thing. Next up on the month's gig parade, Radagast Beer Hall, Radagast Bohemian Hall and Beer Garden. I forget exactly what it's called. It's the Beer Garden in Williamsburg. This was a Friday night playing with Jesse Carolina and the Hot Mess, who were discussed in last month's podcast. So I won't dwell on the material, but it's a hot jazz band. And we played three hours for a boisterous sometimes dancing crowd it was funny the place can get very loud and I think the owners realized this and there's a new guy handling the music booking or something and often doesn't book bands on Friday nights but he's trying it and he thought oh we should amplify them so one thing he asked the hot mess to bring its own PA, which is a ridiculous request. And it was not even a consideration to try and honor that. Like, bring our own PA to this gig that we normally play acoustically? Hell no. We're going to set it up, we're going to hook it up to your speakers, get your own stupid PA. So they got their own stupid PA and had like two microphones to put on point at the band it was funny i don't i don't know really anything about the people who run the radagast beer garden i like playing there i don't know if they're german or some other kind of eastern european they had this i and i'm i'm basing this kind of stereotypically on like eastern european supers that i've had in new york they're the approach to amplifying the band on this night was very similar to the approach of the Eastern European supers I've had who's like, oh there's a hole in your ceiling? Like let's look at it and then pretend we're busy and then make a completely like half-assed slapdash band-aid of a solution. I mean these microphones were sort of pointed at the band and they would occasionally come over and sort of fiddle with the knobs and generally disrupt the vibe in service of, I'm pretty sure, nothing. Because I, I, I don't think we were actually being amplified. Uh, and since it was kind of loud in there, it caused us to play much louder than uh, any previous time I played with the Hot Mess. And... I, frankly, I thought it sounded awesome loud. Uh, when Jesse's singing loud, it really brings out the Bessie Smith and her, and that's cool, and we could kind of dig in. And I don't know. It was it was a fun little time at the uh, ye old Radagast. I had the blintzes that I always get when I'm eating there, and they did not disappoint. Thank <laughs> you. 
Here's a recording of Royal Garden Blues, which is a song we played that night. And it's a fun song to play. It's a blues in F when it starts out, and at a certain point you end up in B flat and sort of feels like you've, you know, you're just on the four chord because there have been plenty of B flats already in the song. But no, actually, you've modulated, and now you're playing a B flat blues. A song that, a jazz, a jazz standard that modulates. Pretty awesome. Not too many of those. Moving on, I had three more gigs in the month of February, and the first was at Douglas Street Music Collective, which is a space in Gowanus that has been active for, I'd say, about five years. It's used as a rehearsal and performance space and there are a lot of performances there I don't often go mainly because it's very inconvenient to where I live and in my experience not a lot of people go to it actually anyways uh, I've played there a number of times when the audience has been the other band plus like one or two people and that was again the situation on this particular night it was a Monday night and of course the weather sucks Um, but fortunately there were four bands playing that night or groups of musicians playing that night and all of them were totally awesome so there was no bad vibe at all about it being lightly attended Uh, it was actually a great hang David Scanlon played first with Dave Grohlman and Max Jaffe both doing drums and Dave singing, which I've never heard him do. That was pretty exciting. Jason Mears, who I toured with in uh, the Kogelnacht ensemble uh, and haven't seen, virtually haven't seen since then, he was absolutely smoking on the uh, soprano, sopranino actually, and alto saxophones he played with a pianist who also was great and I say this to call your attention to the fact that in a situation where really you're only playing for other musicians and indeed the uh, 
the other musicians who are performing on the bill. When they throw down, you've got to throw down too. And this was a night of everybody, not in, it, by no means in a in a um, show off or aggressive way, but everybody just really bringing their best game to the night. So those two things happened were awesome. And then I played with Levy Lorenzo and Jonah Rosenberg. Jonah played piano, Levy played the drum set and the laptop, which he writes some uh, software patches of his own programs and patches and often controls them with a joystick that he's modified. I played the trombone acoustically. So really three completely different instruments and three quite different musicians. Uh, I've only played, the, the three of us have only played together one other time and we come from three different backgrounds so it's hard to predict what the music is going to be like when we come together but for sure playing in front of an audience brought out the best in us and we'll do it again someday james ilgenfritz miko inanen and joe hertenstein followed us and they were also awesome so it was really a great night at douglas street Now, I mentioned that the weather sucks, and yeah, it's winter. It's been wintry. I must mention one of the most funny, ironic things happened later that week, which was Tin Pan, like I said, a group that often busks, plays in Central Park, does the street performing thing was asked to play at the new museum for some sort of street performing exhibit they got there. And we were gonna be playing indoors. The gig was canceled due to weather. There was a snowstorm that day and they canceled the gig. And I thought it was pretty amazing that an indoor street performing gig got canceled due to the weather. Just a good irony. like. How many times have we had to cancel our own work because of the rain? And it's like, well, here's a day where actually it's indoors and it's safe. Nope, not safe. It snowed. Gig was canceled. Kind of funny. But that freed up the evening, which I used part of it to prepare for my return to the Flatiron Room. Another Tin Pan gig at the Flatiron Room but this is one that Jesse couldn't do, so he asked me to lead the gig on guitar and singing. Normally, you know, he's got all his songs that he sings and we play them together. And I don't really have the same vocal talents that Jesse does, and I don't know the words to most of the songs that he sings. So this was Tin Pan, but sort of the Sam edition of Tin Pan, which really is kind of something else. Uh, 
we did a few songs that normally Tin Pan will do, like When You Wore a Tulip, but mostly other things. And I wasn't entirely sure that I it was capable of singing, playing the guitar for four hours in front of people. But sure enough, I am made a big, long list of songs that I know, and uh, poor Steve Wood had to just follow along on the bass. It kind of stressed him out, I think, playing mostly songs that he doesn't know. But a lot of blueses, a lot of simple stuff. And we got Erwin Hall to play saxophone on the gig, and he was awesome. And so it, it went really well. It was really fun. And uh, to give you guys a nice block of music here, I'm going to do, or I'm going to DJ some of the songs that we played that night in the recordings that I learned the songs from. So here's a nice little set of music for you to enjoy.
Last gig of the month was Escape from Society at the Cake Shop, returning to the scene of the crime. Our first ever gig was at the Cake Shop, and listeners to this podcast know all about Escape from Society, so there's really not much for me to say about the show, other than we did it as a quartet, and that Kyle and Ian were not available for the show, so... I replaced them with um, Andrew Conklin on guitar and Austin Vaughn on the drums, and I played bass for the whole set. The the show was on President's Day, so we did the four presidential song poems that you hear in uh, episode seven or eight of the podcast, the uh, election edition of the podcast. So we dipped into those which was really fun. Each of us sang one president song. And uh, playing bass for the whole time was kind of fun. Playing bass and singing is a little bit like, uh, you know, patting your head and rubbing your tummy. It's, it's harder than playing guitar or piano and singing for some reason. I don't know exactly why. Maybe it goes back to the whole counterpoint thing and how... As a trombonist, I'm kind of counterpoint retarded because I only ever have to play one single note at a time. But I've gotten good at it, and of course there are many great examples of singer-bassists in rock and roll history. And, you know, we're sort of rock and roll. It was awesome to have Andrew, like, be an actual guitar player and play the music. Now, I play virtually all the guitar on the Escape from Society record and it's rudimentary 
and Austin on the drums has a vastly different approach than Ian does. Ian's concept of simplifying things down to the you know most stripped down quarter notes on the hi-hat kind of beats that he can come up with contrasted with Austin's uh, more swinging feel but Austin and Andrew did awesome they learned the music on their own in a few days uh, we had a rehearsal and they played the show and we knocked it out of the park as I think Escape from Society always does that was about it for February not a hugely busy month but gave us some things to discuss there didn't it I'll see you next time